boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you on this Easter Saturday morning on this week's show. I'll be chatting to Tim Newbold, who will be calling all the golden Easter egg action at Wentworth Park tonight, and also CEO of Greyhounds Australasia, Scott Parker. He will be giving us an update on the Macau Greyhounds and chatting about some other GA matters. What's making news around the kennels? Tornado Tears again showed why he is Australia's best stayer with a phenomenal win in the heat of the Association Cup last Saturday night, smashing the previous track record held by Zylia Allen and leaving quality stayer Poco Dorado in his wake. There is plenty of top racing at Wentworth Park tonight with not only the Easter Egg and Association Cup finals, but also the Magic Maiden final, the New Sensation and the Ambrosoli. More shortly with Tim Newbold. The launching pad was run at Sandown on Thursday night. George Ferruja will have more later this morning. The Meadows are holding an Easter-themed night tonight with plenty of action on and off the track. There will be an Easter egg hunt after race two for those under 16 and kids eat free. Details are on the Meadows website. The Gold Rush Carnival is in full swing at Bendigo with the Bell and Bow of Bendigo to be decided tomorrow. Both finals carry a $3,000 first prize. There is also the final of the $10,000 to the winner Gold Rush Maiden, the Stayers Cup and Easter Cups. The GOTBA are holding a super night at Sandown on Wednesday night, Anzac Day Eve. There is a $1,000 draw for members and people are also welcome to join and become members on the night. There will be an auction, door prizes and a tipping competition. Bookings can be made directly through Sandown. Warrnambool Greyhounds kick off their carnival on Wednesday night with heats of the Warrnambool Cup, the final to be held in the middle of the Grand Annual Jumps Racing Carnival on May the 1st. GRV are waiving the naming fee of all greyhounds up until June 30th, effective now, which is aiming to encourage all dogs to be named and put into the system to race, even if they are of a lesser ability and previously wouldn't have raced. And it's not long now until April the 28th, where we will see a nationwide Greyhound Adoption Day across six Australian states. The Victorian League will be held at the Meadows. Todd McKenney is again the national ambassador, who is really the perfect perfect advocate, as he has two greyhounds of his own and genuinely loves the breed. Racing, Fernando Bale came out of the machine, Harmon. He's charging to the lead, led by two to Dawkins Bale. Dinah Nico went to third, then zipping mid Ron Ray Spirit a long way out of it over limit followed up by Dyna double one recruitment at the tail Fernando Bale he is in the lead he's ripping and tearing along led by four to Dawkins Bale Dyna Nico but it's Fernando Bale he is right in the zone he won the egg in outstanding fashion Fernando Bale by four Dawkins and Bale calling second. all the action on Saturday night at Wentworth Park is uh, Tim Newbold and Tim uh, we're going to have another champion this year yeah Good morning, Simone. Yes, uh, Fernando Bale back in 2015. What a freak of nature he was. And yeah, it's, it's the Golden Easter Egg is a race which has uh, been won by many, many champions over the years. And we're going to see a very, very good uh, Greyhound on Saturday night take out the big one. It's a cracking race. Uh, we've got uh, a few young guns coming through the ranks, a few old heads who are lining up. 
promises to be an absolute corker uh, tonight. It sure does, Tim. And let's start with Black Opium. She's only just turned two years of age. She's run second in the Melbourne Cup, second in the Australian Cup. And, um, gee, that was a tough win from her in the he- in the heat. She has been really gritty and determined in both victories in the heat end semi-final. She's had to do it from box number eight. Uh, she's handled it really well. She probably hasn't shown as much early pace in Sydney to what she has uh, down in Victoria Simone. Uh, so I think with box number one, I think she'll show a lot more early dash. Uh, she's unbeaten in two runs at Wentworth Park. She's run 29.84 PB. I think she can go quicker from the inside alley. Uh, she, the only little fly in the ointment with Black Opium is... I wrinkle Lizzie on her outside. She has got a good turn of speed and does yes. want to get to the fence through the first turn. So she's got a handle, I wrinkle Lizzie. But I think we'll see a greyhound who will come out better on uh, tonight and show more speed. And, and look, uh, Black Avian's in the care of uh, Shona and Jason, and they know what it uh, <laughs> takes to win a Group 1, and in particular, a Group 1 Golden Easter egg. She'll be ready to rock and roll tonight, Black Avian. Yeah, absolutely. I think Lizzie did all the hard work last week and was run down by a very strong finishing Zipping Bailey, and Box 2 looks to suit her. Yeah, she's a bonny little bitch. Uh, look, I think coming into the series... I don't think many more would have probably thought she could make the big final, but this is what the Golden Easter Egg is about. Dogs who've got good box manners, early speed. They can run second, they can run third or third and second in the heats and semi-final and then make it into the big final. She'll be punching with a lead in the early stages. I don't think she can probably win the race. I think she'd have to really run a PB. Uh, I think she's a rough place chance and you've got to be thrown into the wider model. And Black Forge, the Maitland Cup winner, a slow early, but a top run last week as well and uh, went down to Black Opium. Yeah, he, he looked to have the race shot he did. when he forged <laughs> to the front on the home corner uh, and Black Opium ruled him in on in the latter stages. Uh, look, he's a very, very quick animal when he's on song. Uh, he's run 29.74 at Whipworth Park. If he turns up in peak form, he's a winning chance, but... Uh, look, he, he probably needs to improve on what he did last Saturday night in the semi-final. And Banjo to Fire, probably not uh, the best drawn in box four, Tim, ran second in his semi to Federal Lily. Uh, but this greyhound has run a 29.86 at Wentworth Park and quite consistent on the track too. Not too hardly drawn in four alley either. She has got a good turn of speed. And I think she uh, does show more pace when she's drawn a little off the track. She's right. had box one in her feet end semi-final. Uh, look, I, she'll, she'll go around uh, the the rank outsider in the race. I probably can't see her winning the race. Again, she's got the early pace to, to settle with the leaders, could hold on for mine and money. It would be a fairy tale uh, um, finish for, well, Chris, Chris O'Brien, fairy tale story, I should say, for Chris O'Brien. He did have the mother to fire who. Uh, won the Magic Maiden back in 2012 on this night, went through the series actually unbeaten. Uh, and uh, he's only got a boutique kennel, Chris. It would be a fairy tale story if Banjo to Fire did take out the big one. And Peter Legogiani is very happy with Box 5 for Federal Lily, and uh, she has plenty of early pace as well. She's uh, in with a chance, I'm sure. I think she's perfectly drawn in the middle. Uh, box 5 at Wendy, if you're a good beginner and you've got plenty of early dash, it's a great box. She's got a moderate beginner drawn on her outside, Banjo to fire on her inside. She probably won't worry Pedro Lilly in the early stages. Uh, she is peaking with this series. She's got a sense of timing about her. She's been brilliant in the heat, outstanding in the semi-final. I think she is a deserved favourite, Pedro Lilly. And Zipping Bailey, a huge run, last to first. Um, 
like we mentioned, slow early, but uh, this chaser, gee, he really does chase hard, doesn't he? Has a massive engine, capable of running unbelievable home uh, a home runs, uh, home sections or final sections, I should say, uh, at Richmond a, a few a few weeks ago, uh, or probably about five or six weeks ago now. Her run home time was out of this world, one of the quickest ever. Uh, look. Probably can't win the race unless the leaders come together and there is a bit of jostling in front, but she is a great place, James. I think she has to go into all of the multiples, and if I was betting in the race, I'd probably have to have a little saver on her at 20 to 1 due to if the leaders happen to come together, she's definitely the knockout runner. Number seven, Blue Striker, another Victorian. Um, This chase is probably not drawn too well uh, off the track, but... He's a class act and he's been in the Cranbourne and also the Horsham Cup finals, ran second in the Rookie Rebel. He's very strong and he just showed with a, a clear run, I guess, Tim, on Saturday night in the semi that he's a, a real force to be we- reckoned with. Gee, I wanted to tip this guy. Uh, <laughs> I really did. He, he's been fantastic in, in all three runs in Sydney. It just when he came up with a box draw, I think his chances were dealt a massive blow. Not that he's drawn wide out, but he's underneath Miss Blender Miro mm. and she's been firing out. She's been running 540s uh, to the first section and she does want to run across. So he's just got to handle her. I think he's drawn to find trouble. Um, prior to the box draw being conducted last Saturday night, he was my on-top selection, but I've got him in the numbers, but I had to push him down a little. If he'd drawn better, I think I would have had him on top. He is flying. And Miss Blendemiro, uh, can she make the fairy tale of back-to-back Easter eggs a reality for David Gill? Look, in a normal free-for-all, I think she's well drawn in box eight. In a golden Easter egg, when she's got so much speed in two, three, four, five, and even black opium on the inside, I think she might struggle to get across. Uh, Look, I love Miss Splendomiro. She started favourite in last year's golden Easter Mm. egg, uh, and she couldn't get the job done then. She was in the care of Hank Vanderberg back then. Look, uh, I couldn't knock anyone who wanted to back her uh, or tip her, but I think personally she will struggle getting across from the wide alley. Well, Tim, that's a a terrific wrap. Thank you very much for all your advice, opinions. And uh, finally, can you just give us your four numbers? Five, one, six and seven. Fedra Lily to beat Black Opium. Zipping Bailey to charge home. And I've got a blue striker in. If he gets any luck in the early part, he can earn the money. Oh, great, Tim. All the very best tonight. We'll be listening out for your call. Thanks, Simone. Been a pleasure. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And joining me on the phone now is Scott Parker, the CEO of Greyhounds Australasia. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Simone. Oh, we've had some good news coming out of the Macau Greyhound situation in recent weeks, Scott. Um, it's been a long time coming, but can you just tell us what's, uh, what the progress has been? Yeah, uh, it has been a fair while coming. The industry um, took an active interest in the welfare and the future of the Macau Greyhound um, back mid-year last year when the Canadrome uh, over there closed. So no more racing in Macau. The question was, uh, what's the future for these Greyhounds? So to the credit of um, uh, all the regulators in Australia, uh, we, uh, we got together and determined that we needed to do whatever we could to make sure that they had a future. There isn't a rehoming program of any note in Macau and obviously Australia and New Zealand are world leaders in rehoming so we put our hand up and said what can we do. The local um, agency, the charity there, uh, animal welfare charity there, 
took the uh, lead in making sure that um, wherever possible, there was a home for over 500 greyhounds that um, mm. were living at the Canadrome at the time uh, that racing concluded there. Mm. Um, now, fortunately, uh, that agency has done a great job in finding a home for most of those greyhounds in either the United States or Europe, but 21 are coming to Australia. And uh, Greyhounds Australasia are helping facilitate that by funding the Australian quarantine costs, which are quite... Um, yeah, significant. It's not, <laughs> it's not not cheap, and for an organisation like like us, it's pretty small. It's it's a pretty fair investment, but we certainly think it's worth it. Um, they'll be coming to Australia. Those twenty one greyhounds in June. They'll all arrive in Melbourne. They'll spend the rest of their um, Australian government requirement uh, just uh, outside Melbourne Airport, and then they'll be going to um, uh, various states. Most states, I think, except South Australia, are taking. Uh, at least some of those greyhounds. So it is it's a terrific outcome. And uh, as I say, we were, um, uh, you know, extremely uh, interested. We had a, a genuine stake in making sure that the future of those greyhounds were looked after. Absolutely. Do you know what the condition of these greyhounds is like at the moment, Scott? Um, are they in healthy condition? Look, they, they are in, um, I think it's fair to say, reasonable condition at least. Certainly um, sufficiently good health that they could make the trip right. to Australia and, and um, equally to Europe and the US. Um, Greyhound Racing Victoria did uh, have uh, representatives on the ground through um, the back half of last year assessing uh, dogs then and found that while um, you know it, it, it was probably uh, hard to find uh, many of the greyhounds in perfect health, they certainly were... Um, sufficiently uh, robust in health that uh, with a bit more attention they could make trips overseas. Oh, uh, but, but while we don't have access, the industry won't have access to those greyhounds uh, for the small period of time they'll spend um, in quarantine here to finish their quarantine requirements here, uh, we will be um, making sure that we, we uh, set eyes on them and, and um, ensure that we're satisfied that before they leave for their homes uh, they're in uh, as good a shape as possible. And the Australian government has a responsibility while in quarantine that those greyhounds are well looked after. So it's been Greyhound Racing Victoria and also Gumtree Greys with the local anima um, welfare agency in Macau, hasn't it, that have facilitated all this. So, I mean, hats off to them. I'm sure it hasn't been an easy task. And also Greyhounds Australasia, it must, be, must have been a bit daunting at times as well. Yeah, no, multiple agencies, and yes, to the credit of the, uh, the third-party agencies or the charities, Gumtree Greys have been leading it, but there have been some other rehoming agencies that have also played a pretty significant role in making sure that it um, that all of this happened. Um, uh, you know, it, it was, to some extent, a little unfortunate that um, Anima weren't willing to deal with us or, or the regulators um, directly. We might have been able to get more than the 21 back here in Australia, but they were prepared to work through the third-party agencies who in turn have worked with, with us and, and Greyhound Racing Victoria specifically as well to um, to make sure that there was uh, there was this sort of outcome. So, yes, credit to all involved because, you know, it, it, it shouldn't surprise many, but perhaps uh, still does. Mm. We've all got a significant interest and stake in the welfare of all greyhounds that are bred for racing, no matter where they race how long they race for, uh, how old they are when they retire. It is now the norm, certainly in Australia and New Zealand, that um, greyhounds bred for greyhound racing are rehomed. 
Absolutely. Now, Scott, um, we'll leave the Macau greyhounds alone for the moment because there's been plenty of other things happening with uh, Greyhounds Australasia and Greyhounds Club, Greyhound Clubs Australia um, and Rawa and WA Racing. Can you just tell us about that briefly, please? So for the first time, uh, Greyhounds Australasia is partnering with Greyhound Clubs Australia and Rawa in uh, introducing the concept of a symposium this year at the Nationals in Perth. And so uh, we think it's a great opportunity for us to um, lead the you know, information and education and relationship building for people in the industry, both administrators and participants. Um, and so uh, you know, it'll be a, a, a day chock full of uh, interesting discussion and debate. There'll be interviews with key people inside and, and probably outside the industry. There'll be panel discussions. Uh, there'll certainly be a topic on what the industry looks like you know, around 2030. So... You know, we're conscious that um, a, a lot of uh, administrative workload uh, and participant, uh, you know, uh, thinking is around the um, immediacy, what's happening now, mm. what's the latest decision coming from my regulator, how's that going to affect my, uh, my involvement, my interest, my um, contentment with the industry. Now, we know those things are, uh, you know, always going to be um, front and centre of people's minds, but we're also keen to move people beyond that and start and debating what the industry does look like in 10 and 15 years' time because we're all set for a successful, sustainable future, not just a successful next six and 12 months. So we're really looking forward to playing our role in setting that, setting that up and hopefully it'll be the uh, first of uh, many successful symposiums to come. Oh, hopefully, and we, we really need to keep building on that community trust and confidence, don't we? Because um, like an interesting fact that I, I've recently been told is that it doesn't seem, it seems like we may have stagnated a little bit, Scott, um, that the community, yes, they're aware of some gap dogs and that, but they're still, we've still got this dark shadow over us, haven't we? And we just need to keep plugging away at that and um, explaining by example and showing people that we really are moving forward in all aspects of racing. Yeah, we are, and um, you know, I think you and I know that, and many, many of your listeners would know that involved in the industry. Um, but I think it's it's pretty clear from uh, certainly our research that uh, while um, governments, who are an absolute key stakeholder in our industry, are broadly very happy with the the performance of the industry and the direction that it's going and has set for itself, um, that is almost certainly not the case with the majority of the public. So the, the perception of the industry um, still, unfortunately, relates a bit back to r- recent history rather than rather than uh, reflecting current performance and, and the vision of the industry. So for the first time in some time, Greyhounds Australasia has, has established a three-year strategic plan. And we've got 35 initiatives that we need to introduce over the next three years. And they revolve substantially around um, identifying, sharing and utilising best practice sure we're world leaders um, because while we think we do things well, uh, we do things better in some places than others sometimes on some key issues and we want minimum standards set and, uh, and, and met. Um, so it's that next step beyond um, significant reform and improvement on multiple levels into the, well, what does world class require of us? And that's, that's setting us up for, uh, as we say before, sustainable success. And through that period, we want to be doing a much better job at um, educating the public about that, that um, you know, our industry uh, that is um, consistently meeting and will in future consistently meet the community's expectations, not just our own. 
Yeah, it's um. Look, it's a, an ongoing task. There's never ever going to be an end in sight. But Scott, we are out of time. Sorry, uh, we are out of time. But I have been talking about the National Adoption Day and uh, looking forward to that next Sunday. And hopefully, we can break down some more of those barriers as well. It's been great having you on the show this morning, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Simone. Thanks very much. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Racing, Bago, bye-bye, dwelt, tornado, tears away in a hurry. He's driving hard. He's going to go to the lead. Poco Dorado quickly got to second, and she's moving up on the outside. Four away to Little Digger, Bago, bye-bye, followed up by Infrared Lad, Kenzan, Rockstar, Kirk, and see them all. It's Batman in control. Through the catching pen, tornado, tears, by four over Poco Dorado, followed up by Little Digger. Wider out, Bago, bye-bye, a long break to Infrared Lad, Kenzan, Rockstar Kurt Tornado Tears. He increased his lead. Had it by five to Poco. She can do no better. And then Little Digger. But it's Tornado Tears. Absolutely outstanding. Goes all the way. Tornado Tears by a wide... And in track record time as well, breaking a five-year record held by Zylia Allen. I'm sure there will be no arguments about run of the week. And this will probably be a contender for run of the year as well. Dogs to follow this week, extra speed, uh, two quick wins at Bendigo in the final in the series, a maiden final series. He's in the final on Sunday. He's drawn box two, plenty of early speed and could lead the race. So watch out for extra speed. I have a best bet, race four, number four tonight at the Meadows. Pepper Tide, a huge dropping class over the 725 metres for this greyhound and also has a vacant box on his outside. We have the Warnable Cup Heats on Wednesday night and the Gap Adoption Day next Sunday, the 28th. Really looking forward to that. And until then, like we say here on Talking Greyhounds, you keep those tails wagging. We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.